The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Is truth relative in life? I got to tell you a story. Back in August, August 19th of 1934, the German Evangelical National Senate, this, this Senate, this assembly, under the German Christian Bishop Lulung Mueller, passed a resolution requiring an oath be taken by pastors and church officials swearing an allegiance saying that they would be faithful and obedient to the Fuhrer of the German people, Adolf Hitler. Now, again, this Senate composed of church leaders and pastors throughout Germany passed a resolution that required an oath be taken by pastors and church leaders saying that they would be faithful and obedient to the Fuhrer of the people of Germany, Adolf Hitler. How can this be? How could it be? Well, just to give you a little bit of background, it, in 1933, the population of Germany was about 60 million, 60 million people. The majority of the people were Christian. A, the vast majority of people were Christian. And of those Christians, the vast majority of the Christians were Protestant Christians, Protestant Christians. Historically, during that time and before, the German evangelical church viewed itself as one of the pillars of the German culture and society. They viewed themselves as one of the pillars of the German culture and society with a theologically grounded tradition of having loyalty to the state government to the state government. Now, that was before Hitler. Churches and seminaries were subsidized and even funded completely by the German government. It is strange to look at photographs taken back then that still exist and they're, they're on the internet. Photographs of that time taken of this Senate, this assembly, were huge Nazi flags hung from the rafters. Huge Nazi flags hung from the rafters. And it's, it's very strange to see clergymen in their church garb, their religious garb, their robes, wearing uh, Nazi swastikas, the ba a banner on their arms of the Nazi swastikas. 
pastors and church officials were at that time required to swear, to swear an oath, a vow to be faithful and obedient to a madman, the Fuhrer of the German people, Adolf Hitler. So again, I ask you, is truth relative? Meaning, relative to who you are, relative to what's going on in the world, relative to things that are happening. For the assembly, for the Senate, for the people of Germany at that time, truth was relative to what they believed. Truth was relative to what they stood for. Unfortunately, for them, their truth was a lie. Their truth was a lie. So for them, truth was relative. They believed, supported, and were obedient to a great lie perpetrated by their leaders. So now please listen to what I'm saying as we get into this, because it can get a little confusing. What they believed as truth was a lie. But truth is not a lie. Absolute divine truth is not a lie. Absolute and divine truth cannot be changed. It cannot be different for different people. Truth stands whether we believe it or not. Whether anyone believes it or not, truth, divine truth, stands. For example, no sane person would say gravity is your truth. The gravity outside is your truth. That's what you believe in. I don't believe in gravity. That's insane. No one in their right mind would get up on top of a tall building and jump off thinking that gravity will not bring them down to their death. So regardless of what they may think is their truth, gravity still exists. Divine truth still exists. Truth is truth whether you, me, or anyone believes it. There is no such thing as truth being relative. Not divine truth. Not divine truth being relative, not absolute truth being relative. Truth stands on its own, whether or not anyone believes it. It will not change. The phrase and the whole concept of relative truth or truth being relative may sound like that's very tolerant and very open-minded. It, it happens today. It sounds very open-minded to say truth is relative. Oh, what you believe is true for you, but it's not true for me, but I believe it's something else. That's true for me. That you believe in God may be great. That's great. That works for you. That's truth for you. I don't believe in God. That's truth for me. That sounds insane. That is what they would call Truth being relative, relative to what I believe, what you believe, what somebody else believes. The good news is that 
God does exist, whether anyone believes it or not. Regardless of the mindset of today, regardless of what our society says today about this or that being truth, regardless of what society says about a male being a female and a female being a male, that doesn't matter. That is not divine and absolute truth. That is truth being relative to the person who believes the lie, the mindset. Everyone demands, in our, in our society, everyone demands the right and the freedom to do and believe what they want to do and believe. It's a free country. That's what America stands for, right? That's what our soldiers are fighting for, that freedom. And, and that's what we're up against. That's the mindset of our country. But we can rejoice. Again, we can rejoice because God's truth is divine truth. God's truth is absolute truth. It cannot, it will not change. It, it was the same yesterday. It is the same today. And it will be the same tomorrow. Relative truth is a lie. Is the great lie of our society today. Our culture today, that is the great lie of the culture today. And if you go against it, you are a bigot. Especially if you're a Christian. I mean, you, you, are, you are held without rights there. But that, they're not understanding what they believe. It should be okay because that's what they believe, that we should have relative truth. That's the struggle. That's saying that truth is relative, is what our society believes in. That is a great lie that is being perpetrated by Satan himself. That truth is being perpetrated by Satan himself, and it's getting buy-in everywhere. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8, Jesus and his opponents are having a very heated argument. Jesus finally asked them, why do you not understand what I'm saying? Now, we're going to follow me through this. You can imagine this argument taking place with these religious leaders that hated him, that wanted to kill him, that were against him. Jesus asked them, why do you not understand what I'm saying? He's been talking about who he was or who he is, and they're not buying into it. He says, why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? Then listen to what Jesus says to them next. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. But Jesus goes on to say, he, their father, he, Satan, he, the devil, is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, Satan, lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is a liar and the father of lies. Our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world as the truth, bearing truth, thereby destroying 
untruthfulness, thereby destroying untruthfulness. On the cross, Jesus destroyed untruthfulness, thereby, therefore, in Christ, we are called to live in truth unveiled before God and before our neighbor. You and I, as Christians, are called to live in truth unveiled. You don't cover up your truth. You live it unveiled before the throne of God and before your neighbors. Who are your neighbors? Everyone's your neighbor. That's what our passage is about today. That's what Jesus is speaking about in our passage today. The critical issue of our text is truthfulness. The core of what Jesus is telling his disciples and what Jesus is telling us is basically tell the truth. Tell the truth. In our passage, Jesus addresses untruthfulness, and he begins by, by addressing or, or addressing uh, uh, false swearing. And the taking of oaths. Back in the 1950s, some of you may remember. Back in the late 1950s, in the early 1960s, there was a show on television called To Tell the Truth. To Tell the Truth. It is a joke. It, 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 I mean, telling the truth is a joke. Lies are just part of our world, part of our society. And, and this game show is evidence to that. In this game show, they had a panel that, that questioned three people, one of whom is telling the truth. The other two are lying. And the panel's job was to find out who was telling the truth. Not who was lying, who's telling the truth. To tell the truth. It, it's a joke. Uh, telling The telling of lies is so pervasive and so commonplace that when a parent tells a child, hey, hey, uh, Mija, I'm going to take you to the rodeo, to the San Antonio rodeo this weekend, and, you know, and just says it and, and keeps going, and that child will stop, that parent will go, well, can you, will you promise me you'll take me to the rodeo? What is that? Asking for a promise from a parent? That means they don't believe you. When, that, when, that, when a child or somebody wants you to make a promise, a pinky promise, they were they wanting you to really, are you really telling me the truth? False promises and false swearings that are unfulfilled declarations have become routine. They're fair game. They're acceptable. But a person is trying to pacify somebody else. I'm trying to pacify. I'm trying to pacify my daughter or my son, or grandson, or granddaughter. I'll tell them a non-truth, a lie. If you come right out and say you'll tell them a lie, but that's nothing. I just didn't want to hurt their feelings. This has been going on since the start of humanity, since the fall of humanity, rather. From the very beginning, from times of old, oaths, therefore, are designed, even as we see them in the Old Testament, they're designed to restrain and restrict 
the telling of lies, swearing an oath, making a promise, swearing an oath, are designed to restrain and restrict the telling of lies or making false promises. An oath, just because we have them, that's proof that, there, that, the, that there's an existence of lies. There's lies in this world, that lies exist in the world. If a human being could not, did not, if a human being was able not to lie, then there, was, there would be no need for, to take an oath. No need. If, a, if we were able not to lie, but we're able to lie. Sometimes we were more comfortable in telling a lie. Thus, the oath, taking an oath, is a barrier against lying. Lying. But here, but here's what we need to understand. When we provide for swearing, make provisions for swearing an oath, we are also encouraging lying. We're making a provision, swearing an oath. We are also encouraging lying. Because some people are not going to want to swear an oath. And so there's a, there's, that means we're, we're encouraging them to make a, to, we're committing them to, to say something, to do something, to make a promise, to take an oath. And if they're against it, for whatever reason, they're going to lie. So we're encouraging lying. Whenever an oath claims to be the final truthfulness, whenever an oath claims to be the final truthfulness, then at the same time, room is given for lying to take place. So if taking an oath is the, is the truth, is the final truth, then there's, there's, you have to make room for lying. They go together. It's like Adam and Eve. It's similar to what happened to Adam and Eve. They were instructed to be obedient to the Lord God Almighty while they were in paradise. What happened? They disobeyed. They disobeyed. So an environment had to be created for their disobedience. And that's where we're at here. Same with an oath. It, it, it is the, it is the, we have to have it so we could have truth here. Absolutely, I mean, truth, we know the truth. But at the same time, if we do that, there has to be an environment made for somebody because they're going to lie. There's lies. They go hand in hand. Why do you think Christ is against them? Why do you think Christ is, was not for, to, for taking oaths? Our Lord wanted, was against taking us. Listen to what uh, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, and he, what he wrote, which is great. He says this. He says, in the Old Testament law, the Old Testament law used oaths, swearing oaths, to reject lying. Jesus, in our text, in the New Testament, rejects lying by prohibiting or forbidding the taking of oaths, taking an oath to, to, to swear. He doesn't want us to swear. 
what? He wants our yes to be yes and our no to be no. He wants us, he, he does not want untruthfulness. He wants us to be truthful. And, the, and, and having to take an oath, to swear an oath, means that there's a possibility of untruthfulness, and Jesus is against that. That's why he said that. That you may say simply yes or no, anything more than that comes from the evil one, comes from evil, comes from the evil one. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Lies come from the evil one. In verse 33, when Jesus says, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, he's talking about the Old Testament. Uh, and there are many passages that he's referring to. I'll, I'm just going to refer to three of them really quick. The first one can be found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, where it says, You shall not swear by my name, this is God talking, falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So now he's talking about you're not going to swear by my name because you're going to profane it, because you're going to lie. And then in Numbers uh, chapter 30, verse 2, it says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord, and swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Interesting that phrase, the phrasing there, because everything, we're told that everything that proceeds from the mouth of God is, is, is our bread, is, is bread to live by. We live by that. Now we say, if you're going to take an oath, you're going to have to live by everything that proceeds out of your mouth when you, when you invoke God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 31 through 20, uh, verse 31 through, I'm sorry, verses 21 through 23, it says this. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For I, the Lord your God, will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of a sin if you don't fulfill it. But if you refrain from vowing and will and will not, if you refrain from vowing or taking this oath, you will not be guilty of a sin if you don't fulfill something. You shall be careful to do whatever has passed your lips. You have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God, which you have promised with your own mouth. Now we're getting a clearer picture of what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is saying about when you take an oath, when you take a vow to do something, when you make a promise to do something. He says, don't do that because you're going to sin if you don't fulfill what you're saying. Think about the many times you've promised somebody something and the many times you have failed to fulfill it throughout your life. Jesus says that's from the evil one. That's from evil. That's from the evil one working in your heart. Again, there are more passages but Jesus, that Jesus was referring to, but this is what he's referring to. So let's take a look at what is an oath. What is an oath? What is the swearing of an oath? Well, uh, uh, taking an oath is a vow, like it, uh, like taking, uh, it, like when you're in public, when you're out in public, you're calling on God. You're making, you're calling for God to be a witness to what you're saying. 
And you take an oath when you swear by God, you're calling for God to be to be a witness to what you're saying. That's trivial. That used to go on all the time in my uh, not in well my life too, but with people I hung out with. They didn't have they didn't have any quorums. They they wouldn't even hesitate on using invoking God his name, his holy name. When making when telling a lie, when making when making an oath to do something that they never intended to fulfill. When we call God as a witness to doing something that, that we were to do in the past, present, or future, we are not to do that. God, the all-knowing, shall avenge untruthfulness. God avenges untruthfulness. God hates untruthfulness. That's what Jesus is talking about in our passage. How can Jesus call this oath a sin. How can Jesus do that? Well, he does it because he's he's after truthfulness. He is in pursuit of truthfulness. And anything else is satanic. Anything else is satanic. Christ wants complete truthfulness. I'm putting the pressure on you. How's that? Jesus is putting the pressure on you. He wants truthfulness. According to Christ, his disciples, his followers, that's us, are, uh, are to be men and women who do not need to resort to taking an oath. They're simply just to, to make sure that their yeses are yes and their noes are noes. That sounds easy. Difficult to live. Difficult to do. When we live our, our lives to the best of our ability, we are to live truth unveiled before God and, and before our neighbors. Please listen. Listen, know, and understand that the Lord is not forbidding us to take an oath um, when you're required to by the civil magistrates in court. He's not forbidding it. Because you shouldn't have a problem fulfilling the oath. It's like when you're in court and the bailiff comes to you and he has a Bible and he's put your put your hands on it. Do you swear, you know, that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? No, you, God, you, as a Christian, should have any should have no problems affirming that. I promise. So is it is it against God's will to to take it to 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 swear an oath in in these type of environments? No, it's not against God's will. You should be able to do that without reservation because you should be telling the truth. You should be telling the truth. Why is truth challenging for us? Why is telling the truth challenging for us? Well, right off the bat, we can think of two reasons. Now, think of why truth is telling the truth is challenging for us. Now, right off the bat, you think of, well, sometimes we get careless when we take an oath, when we make a promise, when we swear an oath. We get careless about what we're saying. I talked about telling your child, hey, I'm going to take you to the livestock show rodeo. We're going to see the horses and the livestock, and we're going to invite candy and all that. And the child gets all happy, and you just did it to pacify them because they were crying. You got to get out of there. You got to go to work or whatever you got to do. Just careless. You're careless about what you're saying. And, and, and that could be with anybody. 
You just tell them something to pacify them. You're just careless. You're not thinking about what you're saying. So what are you doing? You are lying. You're lying. But it's, I mean, it's like second nature. We have a fallen nature, a broken nature. So lying just flows out of our mouth. It just sings out. So sometimes truth can be difficult because we're careless. But there's another reason. Sometimes truth can be difficult because we fear the telling of truth. Because we fear that truth is difficult because truth could hurt somebody. Truth revealed can be harmful. Well, can hurt somebody's feelings. And you want to be a good guy. You don't want to be a bad guy. You want to you don't want people to, not to like you. Hey, how do I look? How does this jacket look? Hey, it looks good, man. He lost some weight. I mean, that's nothing, right? That's nothing. But I mean, what you that's what you would say. Because you don't want to hurt my feet. Oh man, you should be a bigger size here. You know, that would hurt. Okay, let's get off of Manny right there. Let's go to something else. Okay. But anyway, so you want to be the good guy. You wanna you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So what do you do? You don't tell the truth. You avoid truth. Or it could be even more painful than that. I mean, think about scenarios about somebody, hey, the doc, if, what if the doctor didn't tell you what, how you really were? And you're in the hospital, hey, doc, I'm, how am I doing? Hey, you're doing okay. I mean, like, you're dying here. I mean, you're, there's cancer everywhere. I mean, you know, they're not, you wouldn't want a doctor to lie to you. You would want the truth. And truth can be painful. Truth can hurt. Truth can be something that is difficult for us to do to tell the truth. So it can happen that it can be difficult for us to tell the truth. I run into this all the time. I, I see people all the time. I, I see them every week, and, and I talk to them, uh, and, and there have been many who say, yes, Manny, I believe in Jesus, and, and I want to walk in his ways. And then I talk about, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come worship? Hey, I'll be there Sunday. I'll be there this week. I've had, well, at least three people tell me I'm going to be there this Sunday. I promise. And I'm not asking for promises. I'm not. Sorry, I'm encouraging them to come, but I'll be there. I, I, I promise. What are they doing? Some people know full well they're having this humongous Super Bowl party that they're getting ready to, and they know they're not going to come. But what are they telling me to pacify me? They're lying. And they don't even need to lie. But it goes on. That's just an example uh, of, of the truth being turned into a lie. Uh, th these people don't want to hurt my feelings, and they're not going to hurt my feelings. I just want them to know truth. I want them to come and worship God who doesn't take, who's not secondary to nothing, especially the Super Bowl or nothing else. But in our, in our society, worshiping God is secondary. If you can make it, if it doesn't inconvenience you, let's go worship. You know what? I had a good week. You know, I think God blessed us. Let's go worship. No, wait a minute. Super Bowl's on. Okay, well, next week we're going to go. Now, really, hey, we're really going to go next week. That's a lie. You're living a lie. That's untruthfulness. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to where you're, you have the Lord. You don't have the Lord up there. You have an idol up there. And that idol looks just like you. you you're worshiping yourself. Those are just some issues about truth. 
and how difficult truth is. So when we listen, when we look at a passage like the one today, what do we need to hear? How, what do we need to understand? Here's what we need to hear. Here's what we need to understand. Jesus is making it hard on us. Think about the last three Sundays. Hard on us, lustfulness, adultery, lust, I mean, lust in your heart. Oh man, adultery, truthfulness, don't tell a lie. Christ is making it hard on us. You know what? He doesn't stop. He doesn't back off. In verse 48 of this, of this chapter, Jesus goes on to calling us to become close, to be, to be perfect. He, gets, he goes on to calling us to come closer and closer to, be, to perfection. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You be perfect. You be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Hey, man, that's so, okay, I'll do that. Theologian Daniel Dorianti is right when he says, Jesus' teachings drive us to the gospel. His teachings drive us. It drives us to the gospel. Why? Because we become aware of sin. And when we become when we become aware of sin, we know that we are going to be condemned by this sin. That God is looking, even as a Christian, God is looking upon us, knowing that we're sinning. And in this world, on this side of heaven, He's going to make us pay the consequences of those sins, even though you're heaven bound. If you're a true Christian, if you. So what what what, what is what is Christ doing? He is driving us. To the gospel, he is driving us to call out on the Lord for grace. We cannot do this walk of sanctification without the grace of God leading us. We cannot do this walk of holiness without the Holy Spirit being involved in our everyday life. We need his grace. We want his grace. When we realize we have, we have stumbled and fallen, we repent. And we rejoice in knowing that he loves us. He's already forgiven us. And we call on his grace so we can take the next step. Take the next step. I want to finish that story real quick about uh, this German Evangelical National Senate who swore an oath to the Fuhrer of Germany, saying himself, Adolf Hitler, Hitler. The, uh, the great theologian um, D, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a part of this Senate. He was. But guess what? He did not take that oath. He refused to take it. As many other German pastors did, they refused to take it. They realized that all their funding, their schooling was all paid for by the German government. And now the German government was calling them to take this oath, allegiance to the Fuhrer, to this madman. Well, uh, many of them did, but many of them did not. And to, to close the story on Bonhoeffer, as many of you know, he was later involved in a conspiracy plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler for the greater good for the greater good, because he was a pacifist. 
meaning he did not believe in violence, but he, he took an oath that he became a part of this uh, plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler, which, guess what? Failed. Failed. And so many other plots failed. He was arrested. He was captured and imprisoned. And on April 9th, 1945, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung at the concentration camp where he was at. He, he was hung to death. He, and, and, and he was hung only just a few days before the Americans liberated that concentration camp. Just a few days. If they would have held off just a few days, he would have been saved. Or he would have died by hanging. But wouldn't you know that Adolf Hitler and his henchmen knew that the Americans were close to liberating this concentration camp, and they put the order out, take care of him first. For Bonhoeffer, truth was not relevant. Truth was absolute and divine. He was willing to lay down his life and take up his cross and follow Christ. And that's what we have to do. Truth is not relevant. It's absolute. It's divine. And you know it. You know scripture. You've read it. You've heard it. You too have to commit to taking up your cross and following Christ no matter how difficult. It is. On the cross, Jesus destroyed unfaithfulness. Therefore, in Christ, we are called to live in truth unveiled before God and before everybody else, before our neighbor. Let's pray. Oh, gracious one. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.